The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The most important thing about your business could be how your products are packaged. Packaging is the signature that you leave everywhere, and it speaks volumes about who you are and what you do. This is Ditch the Box with David Marinak. In today's show, we'll talk about marketing, increased sales, and how it relates to product packaging. Have you explored alternatives like flexible packaging? You should. It can save your company a bundle. Now, here is David Marinak. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Ditch the Box, the marketing slash flexible retail packaging slash how to build your brand radio show. I'm David Marinak, your host. As you know, our show is about marketing and flexible retail packaging with a few other related topics in between, such as how to build your brand, dealing with major retailers, and even supply chain. Today's guest is Patrick Malik. Patrick is a 22-plus-year veteran of the advertising industry and an award-winning animator. As a youngster, he thought his calling was as an illustrator, a plan that was expanded when his mentor, Curly Campbell, told him he was an idea man. The ideas have been flowing ever since. To date, he's written and directed over 50 animated shorts. His films have aired on MT. His films have aired on MTV networks and screened in countless festivals, both nationally and internationally. He's developed animation program for Clear, Clear Channel Radio and Premier Radio networks, and has greatly has created wildly successful flash videos, featured film title work, and music videos. And his animated shorts have gone viral on YouTube. Patrick Malik, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate being here today. Well, you know, it's it's so cool because I, I can definitely, I know we're not going to have any problem filling in the the time with um, <laughs> talking about the, the Mighty Fudge Studios, which I believe has morphed into the brand chefs and, and things yes. like that. But but let's let's talk a little bit about the older days. I really want to find out about um, you know the the old days of being you know when you first kind of came out being a, an animator animator if you will was animation where you first started? No, actually it wasn't. I uh, I walked out of high school right into a BBDO Detroit into the mat room wow. um, in the old yep. days as we called it and uh, you know, learned my uh, my trade with an exacto knife in one hand and a ruler in the other and a you know a can <laughs> of spray glue sitting next to me on the table. So you know it was old school, but it was right at the beginning when when the digital stuff was starting to come around. So I kind of saw the transition right. firsthand as a young man and um, did that. I interned there. Um, worked there in the summers through college, and then when I um, was in college, I switched my major from education to fine arts and um, went into the lucrative sculpture field, which I ended up with a degree in, and uh, <laughs> walked, out of, walked out of college in 1992 and uh, basically had nowhere to go with it. So I pretty much figured out, I better learn a trade. So I kind of went back into advertising, and I, I messed around in that for a couple of years, learned the digital end of things, and, and really uh, you know, got a taste for that. And that's when I uh, relocated from Detroit to Boulder, Colorado, and um, started to get involved in the natural foods industry um, sure. as a graphic designer and an illustrator and, you know, just a creative. 
And then um, uh, about, I would say, mid-90s when Flash came out is when everything started to tilt towards animation. Yep. So um, it, was, it was really an interesting time because, you know, it was new. And, and to be able to deliver animation online was a, you know, a brand new thing. Nobody had even really started doing that yet. So it was really exciting at that time for sure. Now, you were, are you a Michigan kid? Or are you originally from the Detroit area? Yep, yep, born and raised. I was born in Detroit, raised in St. Clair Shores, which is on the east side, and, uh, you know, had a typical, uh, you know, Rust Belt upbringing. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah, and, uh, well, I'll tell you, that- I've totally been there. No, number one, um, we are, um, we're in Cleveland, so we're very familiar because everything kind of, we're, we're, Cleveland is still really tied directly with, with Detroit. I mean, we're the offshoots of the industry, the tool and die. Absolutely. Um, you know, some of the creative has kind of flown here. Um, but it's, it's just, it's, you know, it's such a, they're kissing cousins, if you will. And, um, hell, I've got family that are from St. Clair Shores and, um, <laughs> we go up there once or twice a year. So it's such a small thing. And, um, oh. you'll love this every, uh, every year we go to spring training, um, down into Lakeland and watch the Tigers in spring training. So, um, fantastic. So yeah, we're, uh, but, we, we follow the Tigers quite closely here in Cleveland. Awesome. Well, that's really cool. I grew up a huge Tigers fan, obviously, growing up as a, as a kid in the, in the 70s in Detroit. It was, uh, it was a, definitely a fun time. <clears throat> that's without a fun question. Time. Now, have but you, you know, have the you... thing about it is, you know, and, and you talk about the auto industry and, you know, all the troubles, obviously, right. that they've gone through recently. But back in, like, the 50s and 60s, I mean, Detroit was the, you know, that was like the king center of the advertising world because of the auto industry when it was booming back, you know, post, uh, post-World War II. And, um, you know, I really um, was fortunate enough to, uh, when I my, my first stint out of, uh, out of high school was to be able to, you know, to work underneath some of the great guys in the business, uh, the Campbell brothers and some of the other guys in the, sure. in the Detroit ad scene, which was certainly influential to me, without question. Well, you know, it's interesting because I was just thinking the same thing. Um, I remember back in that, I mean, that really was the epicenter, like you were saying. And, I mean, mm-hmm. everything kind of started and ended through Detroit because it was all tied to the automotive industry. And and then all these offshoots kind of came from there. You know, of course, you have your, your Lear and Johnson Controls and some of these others that um, <clears throat> in some way, shape, or form are still connected to the automobile industry. But, man, that town has kind of gone up and down and up and down. Yeah. Um, but it's but it's coming back, and if you if you haven't spent any time there recently, um, and for our listeners as well, I mean Dan Gilbert, who's got a presence here in Cleveland as well with with uh, Quicken Loans, right, um, yeah. is buying up downtown Detroit, um, and he's really clearing. He brought Quicken Loans down back to downtown. And you've got this uh, resurgence of this this great area with the architecture and things like that, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's very cool what's happening. I'm glad it is too, because like you know, especially mentioning the architecture, it's so fantastic there, and it was all built right. up during those glory years, and had really gone into disrepair. And hopefully, they can save as much of it as they can as as the economy improves. I still have friends yeah. and family in the area. A lot of uh, my family's in the Ann Arbor area, and um, yep. you know, yep. I get back when I can, and uh, love it back there. And and I'm certainly rooting for them. Believe me, I mean it's been tough to watch them go through what they've been going through from afar. Oh my goodness! Exactly, exactly. So let's let's kind of stay back. So Curly Campbell was one of your early mentors. Tell us about Curly. <laughs> Curly, what's to say about Curly? Uh, let's see. My first day of work, um, he had me. I was a, a runner, as we called it back in the day. Right. So basically, right. all I had to have was a car and a driver's license, and right. uh, and a good enough attitude to show up at you know early enough in the morning. 
But my first assignment with Curly and the boys was to uh, drive them to lunch on my first day of work, and I didn't understand why. <laughs> and these guys were probably in their you know mid sixties at the time. And uh, lunch back in those days involved quite a few uh, Manhattans, if you will, right, at, the, uh, right. at the bar. So yeah, I was basically a glorified designated driver. <laughs> this is like Mad Men. I feel like I'm listening to Mad Men all over again, right? These guys really were the original Mad Men. The, the stories they would tell us, you know, we'd sit around and listen to them, and they would just go on and on about, you know, golfing with the president and, you know, Johnny Unitas and all this crazy stuff. It was really insane how much power they had, as, as you know, as, as we saw in the Mad Men show, I think. Um, and uh, I will be honest, if, if anybody ever saw Mad Men in the first season, the, uh, the old guy uh, who is, uh, has the little handlebar mustache yes, and the bonsai yes. trees on his desk, I, I swear whoever wrote that character must have worked under Curly at one point because it looked just like him. <laughs> you know what? And I've, and I've heard rumors to that effect, believe it or not. And that's I wouldn't what be surprised, it, yeah. Yeah, because it was and, and it was really that first year, I believe, that he was there. Maybe the first year and a half or two years or I something. I think it was, like yeah, just that first season. But he was definitely based on that. Because I remember having to take my shoes off when I walked into his office. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And, and it's amazing how much um, things have changed in the marketing side of things and the advertising wow. side. Things and all that. I mean, it's just you know. Again, like you were saying at the beginning, it was really at the at the beginning stages of of this kind of I don't want to say revolution, but it's more like an evolution, yeah. if you will, in the way things are. It's it's fascinating. Yeah, they really were. They were kind of pioneers at the time. You know, um, you know, being in Detroit, we had a lot of the high end equipment, but I mean, I remember our, our first typesetter, digital typesetter, took up a whole room. You know, it's this giant machine, you know, and then here we come a few years later and we've got these Macintosh computers with all the software, you know, Quark Express on the desktop, and it just changed everything. And I remember those guys telling me they were like, either go that way or get out of the business because it's only going in one direction. Is that right? That's interesting. I'll be darned. Yeah, they knew it. They saw the writing on the wall. They, I don't think those guys were really ready to retire at that point, but they just said, you know what, this business is about to change dramatically and we'd rather be on our sailboats, so good for them. Yeah, and if you save your money, you're in good shape. If you didn't, you were some of those guys like they did show on Mad Men that were yeah. just hanging on, just hanging on, you know, the old boy. And, and then yep. when the five, five Manhattan lunch um, was pretty much nixed, um, yep. those guys were out there, um, you know, pretty soon uh, being a greeter at Walmart or something. It's unbelievable. I saw it too because I saw you know rooms full of keyliners and, and layout guys just get wiped out by the you know the postscript com- uh, printers and uh, Macintosh. It was bizarre. I remember working at one place right before I moved to Colorado, and I was in a room shooting digital photography, which was brand new at the time. I think the camera cost fifty thousand dollars, if you can even believe that, for a digital camera. And uh, I was in a room that at one time had probably held a dozen keyliners all working you know full time jobs, and I was the only one in the room. It was kind of sad. Oh, man. And I bet you get, you know, if those walls could talk, you know, it's one of those. Oh, yeah, right. right. Unbelievable. Yeah, totally. Well, well, let's touch base a little bit about the animated short business. And that was was really at the beginning uh, of, of where you were at. So tell us more about that. That's really where I got, you know, I, I kind of, my claim to fame, I guess, if you will, you know, my, my start um, was when I discovered uh, I was a linear artist. I had trouble really defining myself as an artist. And when I started working in the linear arts, which is, you know, um, re- recording stories, we were doing some uh, radio play stuff early on, and then that sort of transitioned into animation. And I really found I had a knack for working in, in, in time versus working in space. So um, my sculpture degree kind of went on the shelf, and I went full, full bore in animation with those new tools that were available. I mean, if you think about it, in like it was probably 1998. I mean, I had 
uh, an animation studio sitting on my desktop, whereas, you know, five years before that, you would have needed $30,000 to buy that much equipment to create the kind right. of stuff we were able to do. So it was a revolution without question, you know. Um, and then the Internet. And I just remember as a, as a, well, of course, and the Internet kind of like multiplied that or put it on right, rocket yeah. fuel, if you will, right? Yeah, totally. I, I yep. just remember back when, uh, back in the early days, because I'm a huge fan, and I'm sure you are, of Walt Disney. And oh, hearing yeah. Those, those stories back in those days, I mean, I can only imagine, um, you know, how it's changed from, from the early days of animation, where it was literally pencil and paper, yep. all the way through to where you saw the, the whole thing kind of explode. Yeah, it really changed the game, um, putting those tools in the hands of different kinds of creatives, because... Before that, you really had a couple of pipelines for animation. You had the Hanna-Barbera. Basically, it was called coming out of CalArts out right. in L.A., and they were feeding Hanna-Barbera. They were feeding Disney, and then there was a few offshoot studios, like um, uh, there was uh, Celluloid in Denver, and there was a couple other ones around the country. But it was mostly the same style, and you were being trained by the same people that had been through the system, and the system was basically had been built to, to feed those pipelines. And when Flash came along, it really put that, that tool into the hands of anybody who was willing to take a chance and learn how to use it and, you know, wanted to go in that direction. So you saw, I mean, a, a huge expansion in stylization across the animation industry of, like, all of a sudden cut-out animation, like the stuff South Park was doing, you know, became, you know, feasible and, and was being sure. done on a, on a regular basis. You saw it revolutionized the children's animation industry without question because all that stuff had been, you know, done in, in overseas in Korea and um, it now was being done, you know, in, in studios in Atlanta. And it was Right. Just, uh, you know, it changed the game. It really did, and, and brought a lot of vision, and a lot of opportunity that wasn't there before, which was awesome. Yeah, and, and one of the things you had, you had mentioned before um, when we were chatting before was you've got you've got you did some animated programming for Clear Channel Radio and also yeah. Premiere Radio. Tell us what you what you do anim, did animation wise for the radio networks. That was a weird one. I mean, I, I was kind of. Early in my career, I got some success on the film festival circuit, which is, I think, you know, still right. a viable way for young filmmakers to get out there. And that led to some commercial projects. And the first one was a contract gig for Clear Channel here in Denver. And they were doing some, they were trying to, you know, they were at the beginning stages of trying to utilize the Internet as part of their delivery system because, you know, celestial or terrestrial radio, as they called it, was going right. by the wayside. So they were really looking to drive, you know, Internet traffic to their website. So they were doing these little weird little animated shorts mostly celebrity spoof stuff. I would say 90% of it was like celebrity based, which was really fun at the time. Fast paced, um, you know, uh, early viral, I guess would be the best way to say yep. it. Yep. And then that kind of transitioned to Premiere, which was sort of an offshoot of Clear Channel. And I actually ended up getting uh, connected with Alan Wankus um, at, at Premiere. And he was the head of uh, uh, either the head of programming or the head writer. I think he might have been the head writer at the time. And Alan actually just was nominated for writing the screenplay for Straight Outta Compton. So his uh, career arc took off from that. I thought I, exactly. I, I thought I recognized that name. That is so cool. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I, I mean, him and I have done so much stuff together over the years, and then he pulled that out of his head. I was like, what? Okay, great. Yeah, hello <laughs> there. Hello. Hey, well, we've yeah, got right. a, so a he couple was, uh, of minutes. He, he, he had a, uh, a nervous uh, Sunday night a couple weeks ago, but, um, <laughs> but him exactly. and I actually did some stuff that really took off. I mean, he was kind of a master of the early viral video. Like, right. I remember back when MySpace was the only, you know, really alternative. Oh, yeah. There was no YouTube. There was no Facebook. He had videos that we did that were getting, you know, 30,000, 50,000 views on MySpace, which at that time was just insane. Oh, it's crazy. And, um, 
he continued on with that. He continued on with a couple other companies. He was with Xenon Pictures and Market out in L.A. And then, you know, we were getting a million hits every time we did something on YouTube at the end. It was just, uh, it was automatic with him. So that was uh, definitely some of my more uh, well-known stuff was probably produced by Alan, without question. <laughs> That's so cool. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're talking with Patrick Malik, big man on campus at the Brand Chefs. It's time for a short break. We'll be right back. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England. Along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week. And each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Ditch the Box with David Marinak. If you would like more information about our program, send David an email to david at standuppouches.net. That's david at standuppouches.net. Now back to Ditch the Box. Welcome back to Ditch the Box, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking with our friend Patrick Malik from The Brand Chef. So let's dig into The Brand Chefs a little bit more. And I'm going to kind of fill you in on what Patrick had, had given us as a little bit of a background. And it fits him like a glove. Bold, gusty, completely insane. These are words most often used to describe test pilots, mountain climbers, and lion tamers. But... They could also be used to describe our head creative, Patrick Malik. And Patrick walked out of high school into an agency more than 25 years ago and hasn't stopped soaring or climbing or taming lions since. He's the perfect combination of instinct, inspiration, and discipline. And like any good head waiter, he's more than just the pretty face that gets you your table. He also brings you your food, buses your table, does the dishes, and sweeps up after you leave. I love that, Patrick. Welcome back to the show, man. This is perfect. 
I, I have to give that writer a raise. That, that was a good line. <laughs> yeah, <it's>, that is <laughs> fantastic, man. I love it. I love it. So let's, was there any sort of fork in the road back in the day that, you know, kind of said, man, I want to, you know, go out and, and do my own thing? Or, you know, what was it that kind of launched you over to Boulder and, uh, and then obviously into the brand chefs? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, Boulder was something I always had in the back of my head. My parents actually had lived out here briefly in the 60s when they were, uh, my dad was working on his doctorate in history, and my mother was a school teacher. And they had brought me out here a couple times, and I just fell in love with the place. And um, so I really had no, uh, it, it was pretty much just that. I got out of college, and uh, really, like I had mentioned earlier, there wasn't any jobs for uh, guys with a sculpture degree, so I kind of had to make up my own way anyways. So I figured I'd, I'd head west and give it a shot and see what happens, and that was uh, 22 years ago. So <laughs> and <laughs> I guess was I made it, it work. The, was, was, did something, you know, kind of like cause you to sort of you know, to start your own creative agency, or was that something that, what was it that, that kind of got you into that world? I, I definitely think it was just I, I wasn't going to fit in anywhere else. And I think as I got, you know, in my later 20s, I started to really realize that, that I wasn't going to be a good fit at like a Crispin and Porter and become the next Bogusky, you know. It wasn't right. going to be that way. And I was actually at an agency in Denver at the time, and there was talk. I was pitching, and I just won the Outward Bound account, and there was talk about putting my name on the door, you know. And I just looked at myself. I was 29 years old. I looked down the road, and I saw myself at 60 wearing that silk suit and did not <laughs> like what I saw in the mirror. So I kind of just uh, jumped. I just said, you know what, I'm going to go for it. I can always come back to this, I figured. I can, that's always been kind of my philosophy is I'll take a chance and see what happens. If I fail, I'll, I'll come back to this. And uh, so I, I jumped, and uh, it was a crazy ride from there, but I ended up making it work. You know, um, uh, here we are, 16, coming up on 16 years later now. You know, it's interesting. I, I often tell um, our kids when, they, when they'll ask me kind of um, – I said something similar to them, pretty much like you, you you said. You know, you really, we reach a point as entrepreneurs where we just don't fit in the corporate environment. Um, yeah. And it was one of those things that I just, it hit me uh, out of nowhere going like, what am I doing here? I don't belong <laughs> here. Um, you know, and it's not a knock on anything. It's perfect for those that, that love that world. But for those of us that, that just, it just doesn't fit, it's like, oh, we had to, I had to get out of there. I was like, this is driving me crazy. Yeah, I mean, everybody told me I was nuts at the time, and, and I probably right. was, you know. So, But right. I, I needed somewhere where I – I mean, I started this place because I wanted a place where I could go to work every day that was where I wanted to go to work. That was basically right. it. And I, I tell my staff that when we hire now. It's like, you know, if you're not, if you're not up for this, this crazy ride, you know, maybe it's not for you. <laughs> well, and that's, and that's the other thing, too, because I know when you left your agency, like you were talking about, or whatever you were doing before, yeah. that, that money was solid money. And I remember oh, yeah. the same thing in my corporate world. It was – like man you're giving this up are you out of your mind I mean, even my wife was like what really are you sure yeah um, no and, it's, and it, there's, it's not for everybody there's the other half of the story too because i had just gotten married to my wife kimberly at the time <laughs> and she looked at me like what have you just pulled the, you just pulled one over on me pal <laughs> yeah yeah oh by the way i want to fill you in i'm going to start my own business tomorrow yeah, as a right. matter of fact yeah <laughs> Yeah, Happy we had we had a similar we had a similar conversation where I I pretty much I believe on Friday I told her that I quit my job and um and it was one of the and by the way the home equity line is going to be used so it's like <laughs> what, right, what uh, hello what what 
<laughs> oh, man. Well, I was lucky enough about seven, eight years into it to convince my wife to join me on this crazy journey. So she, her and I are now business partners as well as uh, husband and wife and uh, parents of a lovely four-year-old daughter. So. Yeah, you know what? And that's not easy, man. And you guys were able to do that. My wife at one point thought that, you know, maybe she would join me, and we realized that was not a good idea. So you and Kimberly <laughs> being able to do this um, and stay married uh, is, is pretty cool. I was going to say, I think the only one who thinks it's a good idea is my accountant. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> She's been a boon for the business. She, uh, I don't know if you know Kimberly's background, but she came from uh, Celestial Seasonings and that, uh, that natural yeah. foods machine over there and then went to Wild Oats before they were swallowed up by Whole Foods and yeah. spent some time with both of those companies as well. So she's got a big grocery background and that really propelled us in the food world without question. It's a great segue into what I really want. I want to dig in a little bit about the private label world in the grocery because I know you've done some work with Harmons and, and, and Walmart. Tell us about those projects. Uh, Harmons is fantastic. I mean, uh, we just love them. We picked them up about three years ago. Uh, they were working with another agency, and they just weren't getting what they wanted. I think one of the things right. we hear a lot of times, because we're smaller, we're a mom-and-pop shop, and we really listen to our clients, because, you know, that's where that's where you're going to find out what they need. And um, we went out to Harmons, and we really listened to what they had to say. They drove us around and showed us all their stores, including their fantastic new Salt Lake flagship store, and really just kind of pitched their mission to us. And you know, Kim and I really just believed in what they were doing, and um, uh, we were lucky enough to be awarded the the business. And Kim and her team put together a, a three tiered uh, line of their private labels: a fresh line, a value line, and a premium line. And I think we've rolled out well over 500 SKUs at this point, and um, uh, looking forward to uh, continuing that relationship as they continue to expand in in, uh, in Utah and in their private label uh, universe out there. Um, so. Nothing but love for, for Harmons, and, and the same for Walmart. We've been with Walmart now. Um, a lot of people give them a lot of flack, and uh, we've been with them for about eight years, and we work on the market side brand specifically, so we're not with the big, uh, you know, the right. big uh, great value. But uh, with market side, uh, we get to do a lot of deli, a lot of fresh stuff, bakery, breads, things like that. And uh, we've really just developed a great rapport with their team over there in Bentonville, and um, it's been a wonderful relationship for us over the past, like I said, about eight years now. You know, I've had guests on the radio show, and, and, and you're exactly right. I mean, it, they get a bad name sometimes, Walmart, that is, and um, they're just the opposite with, I mean, one of our guests, Jason Wong, was on, and he's, he's dealt for 20 years with Walmart, and oh. he said the polar opposite. A, um, they're, you know, just just give them your price. I mean, again, it's all about price. Well, but yeah, totally. you, you've got to be able to make sure you deliver. You've got to make sure that you're able to handle the volume, and if you do that, they pay their bills quickly they are fair they don't play these games that other retailers do and mm -hmm. um and he just said just the opposite just like you did that they were actually a really really good client uh yeah we've, we we really enjoy working with them um the account went up for review back in the fall and uh we went back out and pitched and uh one another year's worth of business from them so looking forward to that and yeah we found they've been really great to work with uh, i i think a lot of the stuff you know that comes from them. A lot of it's, uh, you know, it's, it's political. A lot of it is just regional. Oh, yeah. I think because the stores are all individually, you know, operated. And but the people in the corporate office in Bentonville have always been nothing but great with us. We've just uh, really enjoyed that relationship. No question about it. Well, tell us a little bit about that. I think it's really fascinating for a lot of our listeners to understand. You are, you know, again, you've got to pitch to them every year. So it's not something that you get a 10-year contract. you no. got to go out there and you're constantly sharpening your pencil. Um, yeah, us, I would I mean, say it's even that's more than crazy, once a year right? smart, you know. 
you want to get out there a couple times a year and just get in front of them. A lot of the bigger agencies, again, we're a, you know, like a small family-owned shop here, but a lot of the bigger agencies have, have on-site you know, in Bentonville. So um, you definitely want to stay in their ear because they're always looking. I mean, price isn't their only motivation. You know, obviously, right. you know, it's the big one, but, you know, there's a lot of other, other factors that go into it as well, you know. And, um, you know, speed to market's a big one, not making yep. mistakes, like uh, your other guest had said. No question about it. If you, if you give them a price and you deliver what you said on that price, you won't have any issues with them. No question on that. You know, let's, let's, I want to stay with that for a second if we can, Pat. You, you know, sure. one of the things that's really cool is um, you're hitting home with a lot of things that I know resonates with a lot of our clients. So, for example, I mean, you're, like you said, you're a small player. You're not afraid to go up against the 900-pound gorillas because there's a lot of big agency work that oh, yeah. squash us. And we have the same thing in our little world of flexible packaging. Mm-hmm. And we're constantly trying to stress to our staff that, you know, hey, it's okay to go up against the big guys because we have an advantage. We're quicker, we're faster, we're more nimble, we're able to turn on a dime and come up with ideas. I would sense that that's probably the same kind of thing that you guys go through. I'm fairly certain that you've seen my uh, vision deck that I presented to them in November because I'm pretty sure that's yep. exactly what it said. <laughs> you know, and we are. That's what we offer them is we are nimble. We can move on a dime. If they have a, a project they want to test and they don't want to you know, get it slogged down in the big agency process, we're a great place to run that through. Or if it's a, uh, a one-time, one-shot you know, little problem that they've got and need solved, we're a perfect place. Or if they're just looking for a fresh view. I mean, a lot of the big right. agencies are going to give you a lot of the same look and work. And if they're just looking for something creative and unique, you know, we're a great... Uh, uh, source for that, and I think part of that is we exist here in you know what we you know the nexus hub of the natural foods world. You know we are right. literally the Silicon right. Valley of natural foods here in Boulder. It's mind-boggling. Every day another food company starts up out here. It's crazy, and there's a, a lot of agencies out here that's supporting that without question. But it gives us unique insight into the creative of what's coming next because as we all know, you know, markets uh, or I mean Walmart and you know Kroger, they all sat on the sidelines and watched the numbers until Correct. organic became profitable, then yep. they pounced. And we oh, did yeah. that because we were able to be there for them, you know. And, you know what, and it's so cool because it, it, it also resonates back to, you know, the packaging side of things in our little world, which I know you have um, a, a, a nice piece of your business is also in that packaging world. Oh, yeah. And one of the things we try to tell our staff is, um, and clients of ours, is that the, the easiest, fastest, quickest way for you to revamp that, that image on a store shelf is through your packaging. And, yep. and it's crazy to me of how many companies, and I don't know if you, f- you find this as well, Pat, how many mm-hmm. companies think of packaging at the very last minute? It, it blows me away, especially startups, because we see so many startups here in the natural food world. Um, right. You know, or we see a lot of uh, mergers and you know people coming in with venture cap and taking over companies, and they just don't do that part of it. And it is it is your number one marketing piece. It's in front of you. I mean, I'm sitting here in my you know conference room right now, and I've got everything from a can of Coke to you know, uh, you right. know a can of black beans that someone's working on. It's all just staring back at me. And it lives in our world. You know, advertising we turn on and off. You turn the TV on and off. You turn the radio on and off. You click <laughs> past the banner ad to read the news story. But packaging is always in front of you. It's, it lives in your countertop it lives in your car you know i mean i keep right. you know gatorade bottles i've got in the floor of my car right now the logo staring back at me every day so it's a it's a it's i think it's the biggest piece of the puzzle but you're, you're dead on it is the most neglected piece of the puzzle especially early on when people start their um branding and marketing initiatives 
Yeah, and, and when they finally get into it, it's one of those things that they don't maximize the potential of it, meaning you know, mm-hmm. the packaging is there to tell your story, why your product's so great, why it's so long-lasting or good for you or whatever. And, yep. and I'm amazed at how many people and companies, like you're saying, probably startups and those that are just not, not kind of knowledgeable in this world, they, they avoid that. They just kind of like pretty it up, but they don't tell their story. And that's that, yeah. that's that only connection you've got with that consumer for three seconds before they either pick your product or pick a, pick a competitor's. It's nuts. Yeah, it's, it's, it's huge. I mean, that billboarding on shelf is obviously, you know, is, a, is what we live and die for. Right. Um, but yeah, no, there's no question about it. I, I think and that's one of the things like when we started with the augmented reality stuff, you know, looking at the package front as a place where we could put animation and tell more of a story, attach a video, a, a recipe, a game actually to the box itself or the pack itself. I mean, that was really, I mean, that was the inherent you know, need of that was how can we push this even further and, and, and make this even more engaging for the consumer? So that really propelled us when we uh, started you know, playing with that technology. All right, so let's stay with that because it's a great segue. The augmented okay. reality is just absolutely kind of like the cutting edge of where we're headed. And that, yep. and, and, and let me set the table if I can. So that basically it's going to be the, the consumer's smartphone or they attach their smartphone to something that really makes shopping an interactive experience. Is that a good way to put it? That's you know that's the tip of the iceberg really that's the the nuts and bolts of it I mean yeah, we see we've seen the adoption rate I mean when we first started selling augmented reality and, and, and really not selling it but starting to experiment with right, it it was right. probably four or five years ago and everybody looked at us like we were crazy like what the heck right. is this stuff and right. Um, right. now you know people shop with their smartphones that's becoming the thing I mean I, most major retailers have a you know a couponing shopping list app um, and it's just becoming more and more of a thing uh, we've seen it huge in the younger demographic. You know, uh, yep. kids and uh, you know millennials are, are are lapping that stuff up. It's it's definitely a, a great thing if you're trying to attract millennials to a particular area of the store. Um, is to because they, they already have that out. It's in their hand already, and this just takes it to a whole other level. And you know, our version of it, what it does is you, you it uses the graphics on the pack like a QR code, so you don't have no. to have that ugly blocky QR code right. thing, an eight bit looking thing. <laughs> no. You know what I mean? I just, it, it could be any part of the package. So we, most of the people that we're working with right now, you know, you you you, you download their app basically or a proprietary app like theirs, and you point it at the front of the pack. And like I said, you can get recipes. You could have your celebrity chef, you know, Coupons. if you have a celebrity chef attached yeah. to your brand. All that stuff can come to life right there. But we also see it beyond the shelf too, because that engagement, as we talked about, when the product comes home or into your car, now you can continue to engage with it. Maybe there's a little game on the back of a uh, you know a box of cereal for the kid to play that 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 brand stays out in the open and it's being you know, furthering that engagement that brand loyalty that brand awareness well, you know what, and that's that's where it's it's fascinating to me as well. And the fact that it's that you were talking about the engagement once they get home, that you know, just imagine that um, that information that they're able to gather, the retailer is able to gather. Um, you know, how long did they did they pause at that particular product, and why? Um, right. You know, why were they? And, and to have that kind of information is absolute gold to retailers. And and it's and it's really and truly gonna gonna change the industry, and um, you know it's got all that information. And let's face it, once you download the app, they've they you're pretty much subscribing to their information for a long time. And, Absolutely, um, that's what you know. The holy grail is to get that that app onto that phone into your pocket or purse because you know everything yeah. from there opens up that world of uh, of communication, and that's what it's really about at the end of the day. 
You know, and so many of these, and it's it's funny because I, I subscribed like I'm sure you do, Pat. And there's so many times um, I see about these these retailers, and they're investing millions of dollars in technology, or they're 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 partnering with those that are in technology. And for those that are, I believe something I saw that you had mentioned. If for those of us. Or for those people who aren't willing to really and truly step into this next level, you're going to get run over because this augmented reality is not is not a fad. It's here to stay. It's and it's again, it's the tip of the iceberg. I hate to use that metaphor again, but it is. It really is. Um, I mean, we talk about things like virtual reality, onboard of uh, displays. Type when we, you know, Google right. Glass was obviously uh, stumbled out of the gate, but things like that are still being developed by, you know, Microsoft and Sony. So these things are going to be part of our real world, and you know that's going to be a huge thing. And imagine walking, you know, ten years from now with your, you know, some sort of a Google Glass device on, and you've got onboard display, and you're looking oh, yeah. at a package, and all of a sudden it pairs you up with a product pairing or it gives you an instant coupon or you know it, something like that you know I, I always envision a world where you walk down the cereal aisle and tony the tiger and count chocula are arguing with each other in, in a virtual world so you know that's again the beginning of it all it really is going to change the way we interact with uh with products in general it's it's really cool to, to to see because I mean it's it's so neat to kind of look at it in the horizon out there and, and you were talking about having a four-year-old daughter did you say yeah. um you know that's that's going to be really cool because it one of the things I found I've got I've got two teenagers here um, it's in their DNA these young oh, yeah. kids now and it's they they understand smartphones and technology they don't read uh, manuals or guides nope. they just they just give give it to me give it to me I want to handle it it's a trick my daughter's had an iPad since she was probably about a year and a half and she works it better than I do at this point it's <laughs> yeah, mind boggling no it's crazy you should have oh, seen her yesterday man. I downloaded she these drawing apps and she's drawing on her iPad and I'm just looking at her going you got to be kidding me <laughs> I know. And and again, no instructions, no guides, no, no. nothing. They just they just they, it's in their DNA. It's crazy. It really is. It really is. And they're going to expect it. And I think that's the big thing that a lot of people like when when you say you're going to get run over if you're not looking. I, I think that is true because the the next generation of shoppers and we all know all about the you know the dead on the millennials. We've got all that memorized. But you know uh, that they are going to expect these things. And even if they're right. not an integral part of the shopping experience, if you don't have them, they will consider your brand to be a lesser brand. In my opinion. Yeah. Oh, I I agree. Hundred percent, absolutely, hundred percent. Hey, let's to touch base a little bit, um, and I want to um, because I think a lot of our listeners will really appreciate this. When you guys are involved with pitching um, ideas or products, for example, I mean, I know you've done some work with GoGo Sweeze and yep. Earth Balance and some others. Do they just reach out to you initially and say we want you to bid on our business? How does that work? Because I, as a as a guy like me that doesn't do agency work, tell us how that whole process works. <laughs> Long and slow. <laughs> it's really about relationships at the end of the day. And, right. you know, um, a, a lot of times, Kimberly and I, our careers have uh, been uh, uh, dynamic enough where we've come across people that we've maintained relationships with that certainly um, have led to, to new client work. Um, I believe GoGo Squeeze came through us through another agency that we had worked for with Walmart, and we had done some, some side work on one of their projects. And when GoGo Squeeze came to them, they said, no, I think you'd be a better fit over here. So that was a actually a referral from another agency, which is about the rarest thing you could think of. Um, but we managed to uh, uh, keep and grow the account over the years, which has been fantastic. Um, but a lot yep. of it's just getting out there, you know, getting out to PLMA, getting out to Natural Products Expo, getting to Fancy yep. Foods, going out and be- being where the clients are being, um, trying to talk to them, you know, in, in, a, uh, in a professional setting is obviously the best uh, uh, thing, like doing something like this radio show, obviously, or, um, you know, doing a conference like the Store Brand Summit or something like that, just, you know, 
know, talking about the technology. But it's really they're going to buy you at the end of the day is what I've found over the years. I mean, sales for me was never natural. I was always a reclusive artist guy, right? So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I mean, uh, I'm, a, I'm a big loudmouth. And once I realized that that was a skill in sales, I said, hey, maybe I can do this. So. <laughs> but, when you're walking, but when you're walking the PLMA or when mm-hmm. you're doing the fancy food show, I mean, one of the things I find a lot of times is these guys are so inundated with people pounding them at these shows. Mm-hmm. They've got this wall set up from the minute you, you walk up and try to greet them. Do you find the same thing? Absolutely, and I think that's you know one of the, the great things about developing cutting-edge technologies and being really far out there. We spend a lot of time and resources at the agency on things that you know, are not necessarily profitable, you know, not client work, I guess, trying to, you know, um, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll turn the design team loose on some concepts for a client that we don't even have just for an exercise. We'll uh, just, uh, we're always exploring new technologies and how those things can fit into, you know, our model here. And those things can give you an upper hand because when I walk a show, maybe I only get five seconds. I mean, you don't talk about an elevator pitch. I mean, I might not even get an elevator pitch. I might be able to just make eye contact. But if I can show you augmented reality in five seconds, you're probably going to want my business card and then there's a chance that i can get in touch with you after the show and so those kinds of things without question you know drawing attention to yourself in any way shape or form giving them something that they're like not used to seeing i i used to walk when i first started in sales when the brand chefs first came alive here um we we basically with the brand chefs we created a brand for our studio that's what the brand chefs was all about and so we um we were called mighty fudge studios and we'd go and talk to these people and i'd come up and say hi i'm pat from mighty fudge studios i'm like oh cool what kind of fudge do you make? Well, now I've just lost my window because now I have to re-explain what my <laughs> yeah. company does, and by that point, they're moved on. You know, you're done. So right, right, right. the brand chef and the whole chefy character um, with the pop-up business cards, and we basically created this brand for ourselves. And you know, our theory on that is if we can make something this cool for us, imagine what we can do for you. And you know, that gives us some leverage going in. So I, you know, I've carried everything from, like I said, a pop-up business card to augmented reality to one year we made flip books, like old-fashioned, you know, animated flip books oh, like yeah. when we were a kid. Right. And, and those things catch people's attention because they're different. You know, everybody's got a business card or a flyer or, you know, whatever, a product sample. You know, we try to stand out because, you know, really we're auditioning for you. If we can make ourselves stand out to you, then you're going to think about us when you want to make yourself stand out. Without question. It's such a great lesson for all of us. And we have a lot of entrepreneurs in different countries all across, and also throughout the U.S. and North America. You know, the one thing you really said, which I think really hits home, is that you're not afraid to do something that may not make you any money initially. Yep. But it gets you in the door. That's the yeah. thing. And, and you know, from us in that packaging world, I mean, we dabble in a lot of these crazy designs because, in essence, that may be our calling card to get in the door to some of these people. Absolutely. Players. Yeah. Well, for what you guys do, no question. I mean, I think that's, uh, you, you have to. You really do. And, it, and those are the ones that are going to stand out. I mean, those are yeah. really in the crowd because it is a crowd. When you, you've been to PLMA, you've been to, oh, yeah. you know, you've oh, been yeah. to the shows. They're just, it's a herd. <laughs> it, it is nuts. It's absolutely the sea of humanity, man. It's unbelievable. Yeah, so we do whatever we can to, you know, stand out. And, and you're always massaging that message, you know, and that's why you go to these things. When we were, you know, at PLMA two years ago, we kept hearing the word millennials coming up, and everybody you know, right. center stores the morgue. And, you know, this year it was even more pronounced. And, you know, so those are the things we'll kind of skew our message for the next year towards what people are, you know, are, are worried about or interested in. Absolutely. So in the, in the two minutes we got left, let's just kind of like round this thing together. So where do you see the brand chefs in three to five years? Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, I think we're going to hopefully be chugging like a 
chugging right along. I mean, we've had a couple of the best years we've ever had recently. You know, we've really doubled down on our marketing efforts and our technology. But I really think I'm going to see more advancements in technology. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to keep pushing the augmented reality and the virtual reality stuff and trying to bring new ways to tell that brand story. And I think that's where we're going to be. I see us hopefully picking up some bigger retail clients. Um, you know, we we really love working in the private label world a lot, and um, we'd love to add a couple more of those clients, a couple more CPG clients, and I think even expand into um, more entertainment-based stuff, too, as well. Yeah. We're currently um, yeah. doing some animation work for GoGo Squeeze, and we can see some of our clients possibly moving into uh, you know, content production, I think is going to be a big thing uh, coming up, where brands are actually going to be producing content, which is something that's always happened, but it's kind of always been behind the scenes. I see yeah, it being more out in the open now. You get it. Yeah, you're right, because you're pulling it all together. It's fascinating. Yeah. So that's kind of where, I, if I had to choose where I'd be, I would love to be a executive producer of the Go-Go Squeeze uh, and Friends Hour on Nickelodeon you know, once a week. <laughs> that's <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. That's all the time we've got with my buddy, Patrick Malik from The Brand Chefs. Thanks again, Patrick. Let's keep in touch. Hey, thanks for having me. It was fantastic. I really want to I really want to stay in touch. 303-442-0189 or thebrandchefs.com. Again, Pat, let's keep in touch. I'd like to thank Will our do. producer, Amy Berling, our executive producer, Winston, Winnie Price, and you, the listeners. As always, remember, folks, it's your product. Package it properly. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Ditch the Box. We're live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please join David Marinak for another great show next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Tired of lackluster results with your marketing? Craving more leads in your business? Tune in to the Mojo Marketing Edge with the team behind Mojo Global Marketing, Ira Rosen and Corey Michael Sanchez. Winners of the Marketer of the Year, they will show you how to generate daily leads, build databases of raving fans, and close deals faster than ever before. See what's hot right now and how you can tap into it to generate an endless supply of customers and clients. The Mojo Marketing Edge can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in each week for Monica Phillips and powerful conversations. This is a thought-provoking show for business people, leaders, and entrepreneurs. We'll feature today's thought leaders and industry trendsetters from across several locations and industries. Give yourself permission to be inspired and live a fulfilling life. Be sure to listen to Powerful Conversations live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Families today face unique challenges. Marriage, parenting, and family forms have changed a lot in the last century. 
Family Matters with Dr. Virginia Collin will focus on building and maintaining healthy family relationships. We will discuss marriage, divorce, family mediation, parenting, lifestyles, and mental health, all kinds of family matters. Our show will feature guest experts and your participation, too. You can listen to Family Matters live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Tired of lackluster results with your marketing? Craving more leads in your business? Tune in to the Mojo Marketing Edge with the team behind Mojo Global Marketing, Ira Rosen and Corey Michael Sanchez. Winners of the Marketer of the Year, they will show you how to generate daily leads, build databases of raving fans, and close deals faster than ever before. See what's hot right now and how you can tap into it to generate an endless supply of customers and clients. The Mojo Marketing Edge can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in each week for Monica Phillips and powerful conversations. This is a thought-provoking show for business people, leaders, and entrepreneurs. We'll feature today's thought leaders and industry trendsetters from across several locations and industries. Give yourself permission to be inspired and live a fulfilling life. Be sure to listen to Powerful Conversations, live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in each week for Monica Phillips and Powerful Conversations. This is a thought-provoking show for business people, leaders, and entrepreneurs. We'll feature today's thought leaders and industry trendsetters from across several locations and industries. Give yourself permission to be inspired and live a fulfilling life. Be sure to listen to Powerful Conversations, live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. 